know Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with you. Peace be still. In a while, I implode. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. You know, in the garden, he went and said, Father, if you will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done. Hey. And he left the garden knowing the suffering that was to come. But yet, we can come to his garden, not and experience the suffering, but experience the peace and the joy that he gives to us. On that third verse. of pearl streets of gold where the rescued love to dance and I've heard about the angels singing to the Lamb we are bound for we are bound for the city of
tree where no twilight shadows deepen. Unending day where night will never be. A city where the storm cloud cannot gather. Oh, Father, I reach out to you 
please help me reach the goal. And I'm glad to know because of you, heaven will be my home. I need your strength, oh God, each day, for I am weak and frail. For the winds and trials that's come my way, I haven't handled too well. My soul cries out, help me to stand upon your faithful word. Oh God, you know I still believe, please bring me through this storm. You've never once quit loving me, though trials had made me cold. Your faithfulness has been so sweet, and your mercies touch my soul. Oh, Father, I reach out to you. Please help me reach the goal. And I'm glad to know because of you, heaven will be my home. Yes, I'm glad to know because of you, heaven will be my home. Amen. What a tremendous, uh, tremendous song. Aren't you glad that God doesn't change? He's always the same, and He doesn't change. And He's there, He supplies the need that we have for the hour. He's right there, and will supply that need. And what a joy it is. And I appreciate the songs uh, this morning. I appreciate uh, the Lord and His goodness to us. And uh, what a tremendous blessing it is just to be able to come into the house of God uh, today and leave all of the worries and all the concerns and the things that are going on this, in this world that we can come into the house of God and focus upon Him and get our hearts in tune with Him and allow Him to speak to us. I've already been blessed uh, by coming this way uh, this morning. Our Sunday school lesson, Sunday school class, and uh, let me tell you, if you're not in Sunday school, uh, let me challenge you to come and be a part of our Sunday school. What a tremendous, we have some wonderful teachers and a tremendous Word of God that we're looking at and studying. And what a tremendous blessing that is. And then uh, the choir as they sung. And I appreciate the songs of the choir. And uh, you may be sitting out there and you say, well, I can sing or I can't sing or whatever your excuse might be, but uh, if you'd like to come be a part of this choir, I guarantee you there'll be a spot for you. Just come and make yourself at home. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so uh, I enjoy the songs and the singing. It's tremendous, uh, tremendous blessing. And uh, I want to ask you to take your Bibles and go to Second Peter chapter number 1. And we're going to look at a few verses here and also some verses elsewhere. Uh, this morning, and I uh, just want to ask you to be much in prayer uh, as we look in the Word of God. This is what the Lord has laid on our heart to bring uh, this morning, and I hope it'll be an encouragement and a strength to you uh, this morning. But in the in Second uh, Peter uh, chapter number one, and I'd like to begin reading with verse number sixteen. And I want to ask you if you're able. Uh, to do so, if you would, to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word uh, this morning. Second Peter chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 16. The Bible reads like this. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son 
in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. Now I want you to notice especially the last part of verse number 16. The Bible says, But were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Eyewitnesses of His majesty. I want to just try to bring a message this morning on mountaintop experience. Mountaintop experience. Join us in prayer, if you will. God, our Heavenly Father, as we bow in Your presence today, we thank You for this place. God, we realize this is holy ground that we stand upon. I pray that You speak to each and every heart. Speak to all of us today through Your Word, through Your message. God, help us to receive strength and encouragement. God, help Your children, Lord, uh, to have joy, uh, Lord, and excitement about what they've experienced with You. And God, help those that are not yet saved. We pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to draw them to You, that they could be born into the family of God. We pray that Your Holy Spirit to have the right of way in this place. If there's anything, Lord, in this building, anything in our hearts, anything in our lives that might hinder in this service today, I pray You might show that to us. We can confess that before You and ask Your forgiveness and receive Your cleansing. And we thank You for it all in Jesus' name. And for His sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. The Scripture I read out of Second Peter, chapter number 1, the Apostle Peter, inspired of the Holy Spirit of God, penned these words down. And these are very important. This is something that is uh, very, very important. You have to remember that back at the time that this was penned down, they did not have a complete copy of Scripture like you and I have today. But Peter said here in his writing, he talked about that we've not followed cunningly devised fables. But he says we're eyewitnesses. And what I want us to think about this morning is mountaintop experience. If you ask people today concerning a mountaintop experience, a lot of people would have, have uh, many different answers that they would probably bring to you. In this part of the country, a sports enthusiast might talk about a mountaintop experience being in 2021 when the University of Georgia won, beat Alabama and won the national championship. To many people, that was the pinnacle and that was a top thing that took place. Others would talk about, well, the repeat of that and being able uh, to do that in 2022 and beat TCU for the national football championship that certainly that was a pinnacle and that, that was a point there. I remember in 1980 when uh, the University of Georgia won the national championship against Notre Dame. And I thought, man, that is the grandest thing. I was on pins and needles that whole game and was just, just holding on, you know, and, and just hoping that they would survive, uh, that. So, uh, the last three, the last three, uh, I've, I've experienced and I've been there and I've watched and I've, I like sports. I, I have nothing and there's nothing wrong with sports. University of Georgia also won a national championship in 1942. I wasn't around then. You could ask Bobby about that. He was, he was here. 
Some people may have thought about the Atlanta Braves and, ha- and them winning uh, four World Series. The Braves franchise has won four World Series as the Boston Braves in 1914, as the Milwaukee Braves in 1957, and as the Atlanta Braves in 1995 and 2021. And some people might say, well, man, that's a mountaintop experience. To some people, if they've, their career, their job, their occupation has brought them to a point and uh, to a pinnacle that, that a lot of people would say, that is, that is my mountaintop experience. I've finally arrived and I've finally got there to that place and to that position. There's some folks, and probably right and so, rightfully so, that when a child is born into a family, that, that that is a mountaintop experience. Our grandchildren are born, that's, that's a pinnacle, that is a, a mountaintop experience. But I want us to look at it in a totally different way this morning. All of that is fine and good in its place. But I'm going to tell you some things this morning and look at some things that is a truly mountaintop experience. In my life, the mountaintop experience was when I got saved. I mean, when I was born again, saved by God's grace. If I got what I deserved this morning, if I got what I deserved when I was 17 years old, I'd be in hell right now if I got what I deserved. But I'm so thankful for God's grace and God's mercy. And so if you're saved by God's grace uh, this morning, that's a mountaintop, that's a pinnacle in your life. That's the most important thing that has ever happened uh, in your life. It's the most important thing that you've ever been acquainted with uh, in your life is when you got saved by God's grace. And if you're here this morning and and you're not saved, I want to challenge you uh, to listen and and to pay attention uh, to the Word of God. Allow God to speak uh, to your heart and to your soul this morning. It may be that today is the day that God will speak to you. God will draw you and you can come and call upon Him and be saved by His grace. That'd be my prayer uh, this morning. Greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I got saved. Next greatest thing that ever happened to me, and I, I call this also a mountaintop experience, is when my kids got saved. I mean, that was, it was just like somebody, when I got saved, it was like a ton had been lifted off of me. And when we had children, that was the next thing uh, that was on my heart and on my mind, Brother Charles, is to see them uh, saved by God's grace. I got to experience that. I got to see that uh, take place. And then akin to that was when the grandchildren came along. And they began to grow and they were in church. They heard the Word of God. And God began to work and to deal uh, in their lives and to see them saved by God's grace. Uh, What an experience. What a mountaintop experience. And to see others come to Christ. Isn't it great? I mean, isn't it wonderful? I mean, if you're saved by God's grace, isn't it great to see somebody else get saved? I remember Stanley in a testimony one time and he was talking about when, when people would come and be saved by God's grace and they would stand and give testimony uh, that they'd been born again, saved by God's grace. He said, there's something uh, within me that just leaps uh, when I hear that uh, testimony. And I'm going to tell you what, when somebody gets saved by the grace of God, it ought to, for a child of God, it ought to stir us. There ought to be a leaping inside of us. There ought to be a joy inside of us. Whether it's one of our kids, whether it's one of our grandkids, whether somebody else's kid or grandkid. It ought to put a joy in us. So think about mountaintop 
experience. I want to read these verses one more time. And I want you to listen to this very closely because we're going to get where we're headed quickly, okay? The Bible says this in in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter, inspired of the Holy Spirit, said this, For we've not followed cunningly devised fables. Cunningly devised fables. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Paul writing to young Timothy said this, he said, I charge you. He was giving young Timothy a charge of what he was to do and what uh, he was, how he was uh, to carry on. And he was giving him this charge. If you go uh, to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, it tells us that in the, la- in the last days, he talked about perilous times would come, talked about uh, the shape of things and the shape of the world. But he gets to chapter number 4 and he gives Timothy this. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that's the living, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they turn, shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Peter said, Peter said this, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. I met a man this week, had a conversation with him, and he faithfully listens to our broadcast every week. He faithfully listens to our broadcast every week. And he made this comment to me. He said, that broadcast is a blessing. He said, I want to tell you this. He said, there's not many churches left that preach the truth of the Word of God. He said, there's not many churches left that stand on the truth of the Word of God. Uh, There's compromising going on left and right. And he says, I know that when I, I tune in and I listen, that I'm going to hear the truth from God's Word. And it made me just want to say, hallelujah, thank God for that this morning. Now there's churches that are still standing. There's churches that I believe will continue to stand on the truth from the Word of God. Peter said here, said, look, he said, we've not followed a cunningly devised fables when we make this known unto you. But, but uh, Paul, in writing to Timothy, he said, Timothy, you just preach the Word. You be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. But they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. It'll tell them what they want to hear. And he said they'll be turned from the truth and be turned unto fables. I'm glad this morning uh, that I've got something that's real, got something that's true, got something that we can stand on, which is called the Word of God. And we need to stand on it continually. He said, I'm not made known, or we not followed, cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power, notice this. Notice that word power. It said, made known unto you the power. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse number 18, He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He didn't say part of the power. He didn't say some power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, over in Second Corinthians chapter number 4, the Bible tells us this. Listen uh, to these words. In Second Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, the Bible tells us uh, in verses 1 through 6, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, 
As we've received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Peter said, look, he said, we've not followed uh, cunningly devised fables when made unknown to you the power. And it says, and of the coming, notice this, and of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a little book that's right before the book of Revelation. And it's the book of Jude. There's 25 verses in that book, but there's so much in that book. Listen to two verses out of these. In Jude, verses 14 and 15, it says, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh, with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they've ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Against him. Power. Not cunningly devised fables, but the power and the coming, he said, power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he makes the statement, said, but we're witnesses. He says, we are witnesses of His majesty. Go with me back, if you will, to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to read something that happens here. And this is what Peter is making reference to, the events that are happening here in Luke chapter number 9. Luke 9 verse 27, listen to this. Jesus makes this statement. He says, but I tell you the truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. He took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And the Bible says, And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him, talking about James and John, it says, Peter... And they that were with him were heavy with sleep. When they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, the Bible says, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, 
This is my beloved Son, hear Him. And the Bible said when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Peter said, he said, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. He made reference to the events that are recorded in Luke chapter number 9. They're also recorded in Matthew chapter number 17, and also in the gospel of Mark chapter number 9. Read those when you get home. And it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. I I thought about this. You know, many occasions Jesus took Peter, James, and John with Him. There was times that it seemed like that they were kind of the inner circle uh, there of His uh, disciples. And you will find that Jesus, prior to His arrest, took these same three, Peter, James, and John, and he, was, he had gone and He was praying to the Father. And He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from Me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And you know, he'd go back and he'd find them asleep. And he'd, he'd tell them, say, sleep on now. He said, uh, the, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he would go and he'd pray. And then he'd come back and he'd go and pray. And he'd come back. And then he would be arrested. And he would go, uh, and there would be a mock trial uh, that would be made. And the Bible talked to us about all the disciples, how that they all forsook him and fled. Jesus would go through that mock trial. They'd pluck out his beard. They'd spit on him. The Bible says they buffeted him. Bible said they slapped him in the face. Bible said they planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They took a reed and began to smote him uh, with that. The Bible said that he was scourged. The scourging he literally was skinned alive. They would be uh, the Roman lictor, the soldier, the Roman lictor was a professional at what he did. In the end of that whip, they would be glass, they would be metal, they would be sharp objects, and, and they would bend uh, the individual over, and they, he would take uh, that whip, and it would wrap around their body, come around to the front, and, and those sharp objects would, would dig in uh, to the skin. And just at the precise time and the right moment, he was a professional at doing this. This wasn't the first time uh, he had ever done it, but at the precise time, precise moment, he would give a yank on that, and they literally uh, tore his flesh. They literally skinned him alive. When Jesus was given instructions concerning the Lord's table, makes this statement. Breaks the bread, and he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken you. Not a bone of him was broken, but his body was broken for you and I. Carried him to Calvary, put him between two thieves, stood there, the people mocked, and people made fun of him. As they went by, they wagged their head at him. It came to a point when Jesus cried with a loud voice, He said, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? As God literally turned His back, He that knew no sin became sin for us, that sin offering for us. He did it all for you and I. The disciples had been told, Jesus had explained to them that He was going to Calvary. He was going to be taken away. He told them it's expedient that I go away. He would die 
He would be buried. But thanks be unto God, the third day, He would rise again. Victory. Amen? Victory. Those disciples didn't understand everything that was happening, everything that's going on. But you see, Peter, James, and John, they got a glimpse. On this mountaintop, they got a glimpse of His glory as they were there present with Him that day. Can you imagine being there? Jesus had prayed. And the Bible said there in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 9, that it says, as he prayed, it says, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistening. This would be something that these three would never get over. <laughs> they would never get over what they experienced. Now, I want you to do this very quickly. Go to Revelation chapter 1. I'll show you something here. Revelation chapter number 1. Remember. Remember. Peter wrote the epistle and he said, And we were... And we were eyewitnesses of this. We. Who's he talking about? Peter, James, and John. Revelation. God gives this to John. He's on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the Word of God. And God gives this to John. Now I just believe as this is unfolding and is being shown unto John, that John is remember, he's remembering that mountaintop experience and what he saw as he begins to see this as, as the unveiling takes place. Notice what it says in Revelation chapter number 1. And let's, let's begin with verse number 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now pick up in verse number 9. It says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And John says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet likened to brass, as if they burned in a furnace. His voice as a sound of many waters. 
And the Bible said he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Notice that. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. It says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Think about what John saw when Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. Think about what he saw. Bible said that he just glowed. That his face shone. His raiment was white as the light. And you get over here the book of Revelation. And it's just like that God draws back the curtain. Not only for John, but God just draws the curtain back. It's an unveiling. And he draws this curtain back. For you and I. A lot of people are afraid of the book of Revelation. But I'm going to tell you what. Without the book of of Revelation, we'd say, well, what else is there? Where's the rest of the story? Well, I'm going to tell you what. Study the book of Revelation. It's the rest of the story. It tells you how this is going to wind up. How it's going to end up. And it's important. Will we understand all the details and all the, the things concerning the book of Revelation? I tell you what, I won't. I've studied it, I've studied, I've studied it. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a treasure there for a child of God. And God just drew back the curtain. And gave to John this. After this experience, that of the transfiguration of Christ, before Peter, James, and John, they didn't understand everything about it. But it was an experience they never got over. They never got over. As they saw Jesus in His glorified state, when they came down from there, I'm satisfied. When they came down from that mountain, I'm satisfied. They had a lot of questions. A lot of things they wondered about. You know, when Jesus was arrested, the Bible said they all forsook him and fled. We find that Peter, even when he was questioned, denied the Lord. We go through a lot of things in this life, you and I as believers. But aren't you thankful for He who sits on the throne? Jesus would go to Calvary and give His life. He would shed His blood. He would be buried. The third day He'd rise again. He showed Himself alive after His resurrection to His disciples. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it says even above 500 brethren at one time. He showed Himself. Gave them instructions. Gave you and I instructions. In Acts chapter number 1, He ascended back to heaven. And He's seated at Father's right hand, interceding on our behalf. What a Savior.
What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. Mountaintop experience. Wouldn't it have been amazing to have been there that day? They had a lot of questions. A lot of things they didn't understand. But the Lord allowed Peter, James, and John to be there and just get a glimpse of Him in His glorified state. What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior's mine. I don't know exactly how it's going to be when we get to heaven. I don't know exactly the way it's going to be. But I believe the first thing that we'll do as a believer, truly believe this, is that we'll fall at His feet. And we'll thank Him and we'll praise Him because He's worthy. He is worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. There's times in our lives that we've had mountaintop experiences. There's been times that probably every one of us in this building, if you've been saved for any length of time, that you could stand this morning and give testimony of times when it just felt like that, you know, God was just so real. The Lord was so real. His goodness was just so real around us. Probably every one of us could give testimony to that. I remember several years ago that I had a dream. I did this three different times, but I had a dream. And the rapture was taking place. And I was going up. It was just plain as day. I was going up. And I could see others that were going up. And what a joy. And what an excitement that that was. And then I'd wake up. And I, did, I had the same dream three different times. And Brian, I didn't want to, I mean, it was so good. And it was so real. That I just felt like I just go on. That's the way I felt. Thank God this morning for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank Him. We are so unworthy of His blessings and His goodness to us. But thank God for His mercy and for His grace. Thank God for that. I don't know anyone's heart this morning, but I'm going to stop right here. And I want to ask this question, first of all. Do you know Him? Not talking about do you know about Him, but do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the most important question that you could ever answer. Do you know Him? I don't just know about Him, I know Him. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my closest friend. Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? If not, maybe God is knocking at your heart's door this morning and is inviting you and saying, Come. You don't have to tell me a thing. Just come and get in this altar. Call upon Him. 
be saved by His marvelous grace. And maybe you hear this morning, you say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. But boy, I've, I've just kind of gotten off the path. You know, I'm so thankful. The Bible tells us this in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. It says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for that? He don't say, I don't want you anymore. I don't need you anymore. But He invites and He says, you, just, you come. You confess that before me. And He said, I'll clean you up. I'll clean you up. Just come. Come. You know what's good about that? We confess it. He forgives us. And He forgets it. The Scripture says, How far has He cast our sin from us? As far as the east is from the west. That's how far. I don't know your heart this morning. Maybe you've got a burden for a family member or friend. And you want to come and pray. Maybe you want to pray for this week and this revival this week. You want to just come and pray. God already knows. He already knows. He knows our heart. He knows the intents of our heart. He knows. Just come. God's speaking to your heart. Come. Be obedient to Him this morning. Jacob's going to come. They're going to come to the instruments. We're going to have a time of invitation. Just want to ask you to do this. Just be obedient to the Lord. What the Lord have you to do. Just be obedient to Him. Obedient to Him. He's speaking to your heart this morning.